And so this morning, we get to talk about something a little bit more difficult than just loving those that love us. We get to talk about loving those who don't love us. In fact, who hate us. Yay! Isn't that exciting? Yay! So excited about that. So the question is, is um, loving when it hurts, loving the unlovable, how do we do that? And, and maybe a better question is, why? Why do we do that? Why would we love those that don't love us? So if you're wondering, scratching your head, I'm scratching my head, why is this so hard? Why would 2,000 years ago Jesus talk about it so frequently? And almost every author in Scripture talks about loving people that don't love us. It's difficult. And one of the reasons that it's difficult, one of probably the most proliferate reasons it's difficult, is for a reason that you might not think about, that you might not realize, and it's that way on purpose. The reason it's difficult to love people that don't love us is because we have an enemy. We have an enemy. Don't get me wrong. Your enemy is your enemy. The thing is, is your enemy wants you to think he's not your enemy. So what he actually tells you is your enemy that isn't your enemy is actually your enemy. Did you guys follow that? You catch that? Don't get me wrong. Your enemy isn't your enemy. Your enemy is. <laughs> the unlovable isn't your enemy. Your enemy is. You ever heard the phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend? Right? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. In this case, the unlovable is the enemy of the enemy who is actually the real enemy. It makes a lot of sense if you think about it. The person that doesn't return your love is hated by the same thing that hates you. Now we're getting somewhere. All this talk about your enemy might have you rolling your eyes, and, and, and maybe you've heard the fairy tales and the stories about the little red guy in a suit, right? He runs around, he's got horns and a pitchfork and a pointy tail, and, and we all kind of laugh and joke and, and watch our kids as we tell them stories and their eyes get all wide, oh yeah, this guy. We have an enemy. We have a real enemy. In fact, we have an enemy that is specifically named. He has 26 names in the Bible, 26 names. That's our enemy. I'm going to read them to you. 26 different names, and in concept, it's even more frequent. This is his name. Satan, Daystar, son of the morning, the anointed cherub, the devil, the tempter, ruler of demons, Beelzebul, the evil one, the enemy, the liar, the father of lies, the murderer, the ruler of this world, the god of this age, the angel of light, Belial, ruler of the authority of the air, the adversary, the roaring lion, the angel of the abyss, Apillion and Abilidon, old serpent, deceiver of the world, and accuser of God's people. That's what he's named in the Bible. In the New Testament alone, Satan and the devil are named 70 times. That's a lot. That's a lot. So don't get me wrong. We have an enemy. One of the biggest obstacles in get, that gets in the way of loving the unlovable is our enemy. And if you find that hard to swallow, that's on purpose. 
That's on purpose. It's not because the, our actual enemy is so powerful and undefeatable that makes loving so difficult. It's not that reason. Think about it. He convinces you to hate who he hates. He convinces you to team up <laughs> with him and hates the people that he hates. That is clever. Think about it this way. The enemy hates the unlovable as much as he hates you. That's why he's the liar. That's why he wants you to think he isn't a factor, but is in fact the biggest factor. That's why he gets the focus of your pain and your feeling instead of actually what causes your pain and your, and your tough emotions. It's his trick. And just take a second and think about what would it be like? What would your life be like from this point on if you never were hurt by another person? What would it be like if you were never hurt by another person? If you never felt singled out or insulted? If you never took anything personally again? And even as I say those words, I go, oh man, would my life rock, <laughs> right? I feel that all the time in my life. What would my life be like? What kind of life would it be if from this point everything, we were able to see everything done against us, not because they wanted to do it, but because they were affected by my enemy? You could even call it an infection, a disease, if you will. You see, the enemy's trick the enemy's uh, deceit can render the kind of love that we offer each other almost powerless. That's his lie. That's his deception. And that's what makes him such a formidable foe. I have a monkey on my back. And if you can't see him right now, it's because he's hiding. My monkey hides but you should see me when I'm run down or when I'm tired or when I feel insulted or defeated or unappreciated or not taken seriously or misunderstood or hurt. Then my monkey comes out and he tells me all kinds of things in my ear and he makes me blame you, you, this beautiful, wonderful group of people and many, many others. And sometimes I give in and I listen to him, and I think, my gosh, these people, they're so mean. The trick is, the nasty trick is, it's the same monkey that's on your back, and he's whispering the same things in your ear about me. And this is what he does. He gets us to focus on each other in this horrible way, and then we start shooting arrow after arrow after arrow. And I'm receiving these arrows not because the person shooting them wants to hurt me, but because he's believing the same lie that I'm believing. And you can start to see the mess that we can get ourselves in, even though we have the most powerful force in our heart, the love of Jesus. If we have this perspective, if we think this way, 
We will give the love the power that Jesus designed it to have. You see, there's nothing that separates you from the love of Jesus. We know this. You are valued. You are loved. You are known deeply by Jesus. And He died for you. And He gave you this gift. And no enemy can stand against that. But here's the trick. Once you've received that gift, that gift is designed to flow out of you because God uses us to love the world. And the enemy can get us to focus a little bit on the wrong enemy. (laughs) He can convince us that you are my enemy and I am yours. And that love stays in my heart and it gets bottled up and it doesn't flow. And suddenly, the most wonderful gift that I've ever received is rendered useless to my friends and my family and the people around me. Whew, what a nasty trick. If you understand this, if you call it out and you see what He does, this is what happens. You can forgive so much, quick, so much more quickly. You can, you can have mercy so much more effectively. And you can heal so much more completely if you realize what's actually causing your pain. And I want to read to you a passage. The church back in the first century that Paul, the apostle, wrote to. And they were struggling with the same things that I struggle with in my heart. Everybody had a monkey on their back and nobody knew it. And it was lie after lie after lie and they were pitted against each other believing the lie. And so Paul said, listen, guys, I, I want to I share with you the goal. I want to share with you the point. Remember the point. On the wrong page. There we go. And so this is what Paul said, just as a, a refresher. First Corinthians 13, Paul says to his little church in the big city of Corinth, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have the faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm not, I am, I am nothing. I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. That's the the value of this love is unfathomable, uncalculable, and I am worth nothing without it. That would get their attention in this little church in the big city of Corinth. He goes on. So let me describe it to you. Let me show you what it does. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonors others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. That's what it looks like. That's what it does. 
It rejoices with the truth. This love is not naive. It doesn't turn a blind eye. No, this love sees you for who you are and knows you and values you and loves you. Sign me up. Sign me up. I take my money. I don't care. I want that. He doesn't stop there. In verse 8, Paul continues, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the childhood, ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection in a mirror, and we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. And now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. We need to be reminded of the goal and how powerful this thing is that God has put in our hearts. It's redefined us. It's given us a new identity. What the world says is is valueless, Jesus says, no, I'll die for that. That's how powerful it is. It never fails. It never stops. This is the thing that we live for. And the monkey on our backs tells us, keep it inside. Don't let it out. He's not an idiot. He knows he can't stand against this thing that God has given us. And if we know that, he doesn't have a chance. So why not? Why not get you to think the person that just insulted you is the enemy? This whole passage shows what unencumbered, true, deep, mature love looks like. The love that Christ gave us when He died for us is so powerful it'll stop at nothing. Honestly, it never fails. (laughs) That's the point. And this is the reason that Satan can't stand against it. This is why he lies. This is why he gets you to believe your enemy is different than you when you probably are both struggling with the same questions of identity and value and worth. This is his jam. This is the way that he works. He's not original. He's not creative. He just takes the truth and the beauty and the value and the worth of the truth, and he just, he twists it just a little bit. It's way more believable. It's way more believable kind of love described in the passage is pure and true. But if he can twist it, it can be rendered useless between you and I. He can't render it useless between God and me, but between me and you, he can distract. This is the point this morning. This is what I want you to know, what I want you to walk away with, to move deeper into love. To move deeper into love is to see what truly causes pain. 
I think we have this perception that love is like this thing we just kind of go, oh, you know, we'll just love them anyway. After all, it, co- it covers sin, right? It, it covers this multitude of sins. That's, that's kind of what love does. It just kind of ignores the ugly and focuses on the beautiful. Isn't that great? That's not what Paul's describing. This is a deep love. This is a love that sees every fault and says, yeah, I got them too. <laughs> this is a pure mature love. God doesn't look at us as the enemy because we have sin in our lives. He looks at us as being sick, so He sent the great physician. Why would we look at each other as the enemy? We could just look at each other as being sick. I had the same disease that you have, and when you fire back at me and shoot an arrow at me and it hurts, I can go, ah, I know, I know why you did that. <laughs> and it's the same reason why I shot the first one. It's out of our weaknesses and out of our sin that we hurt each other. And this love goes deeper. We must start seeing the truth and loving with courage. Because this is not for the faint of heart. And we can't be naive and think our enemies are each other. Our fight is not with each other. And you might be saying, okay, well, this is all well and good, but what in the world are we supposed to do about it? You got this, one of the most powerful things in the universe just kind of hanging out there, and the enemy just with a simple little trick of deception can render it almost useless between us. How in the world do we straighten that out? How in the world do we accomplish this love that Paul talks about? That's actually easier than you think. And our buddy, Apostle Paul, he does it again, and he gives another church some very, very clear and specific instructions on how to face our foe, how to actually stand and fight our real enemy, which will allow us to unleash the most powerful thing, this love that Paul describes. We can unleash that to each other, and it can bond us together if we actually fight our enemy and not each other. You got to believe me, I'm as bad at this as anybody. It is so hard to remember. But that's what Paul says, remember. Paul's going to give us some instructions, and the goal today is to remember, to remember, to remember, to remember. Paul, writing to another church, says this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Oh my gosh, that's dark, right? That's terrifying. Okay, great, Paul, that's our battle. How in the world do we accomplish that? We accomplish it with truth, and we accomplish it by reminding ourselves of the truth. And so he goes on, we don't hide, we don't cower, we don't just stick our head in the sand and go, oh, I just, I'll just love them, it'll be fine. No, there's specific, specific instructions. He says, prepare yourself for battle. And he uses an analogy that everybody back then would remember and understand, and, and any time they would see these things, they would remember. So he's using like a trick 
He's using a way, a device to remember. This is like a card on, the, on your dashboard or a, a bookmark in your book or something on your fridge to, to get you to remember. Paul is a smart man, he, and he knows what his people are going to be seeing every day. So he divides this, this plan, and he, and he tells us in Ephesians 6, 14 through 17, and by the way, this is a passage. Guys, read it every day if you have to. 10 through 17 is, a, is one of the best instruction um, and, and structural manuals we have at standing against the enemy. And even if you don't understand it, even if it's Greek <laughs> to you, read it and read it and read it and read it. So, starting in 14, I'm going to read through 17. Paul says this to his church in Ephesus, "'Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist.'" with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And to the people reading this would go, oh, we know, I see that every day. I see those things every day. And ironically, those things meant to them enemy. (laughs) But he turned it around on them and said, every time you see that Roman soldier carrying out horrific things in the name of, of, of the state against Christianity and against your brothers and sisters, you remember that our fight is not with them. No, it's not with the guy that just drug your family off to jail because they believe in Jesus. It's not with them. His very armor can remind you of where the real fight is. That's deep. That's powerful. That's real love kind of stuff. There's six things that I want you to remember. Remember, remember, remember. Remember the truth. When you hear the truth of the, the belt of truth, this is, this is who you are, your value. The world tells you you're valueless. Your boss tells you you're worthless. That argument you just got into with your coworker makes you feeling hopeless and, and horrible inside, but you're valuable. Jesus' death proves your worth. We start there. That's who you are. Don't forget it. Remember Remember the righteousness. Righteousness is not your righteousness. If you try to put your own righteousness on, it ceases to be righteous. This is Jesus' righteousness, and this is the truth that your identity was created on. It's Jesus' righteousness that allows me to live free. So I wrap His righteousness around me. I think of it like a coat because I can relate to that. But they thought of it like a breastplate to protect themselves. I'm standing with Jesus' righteousness on me. That's powerful. Number three, remember the going, I call this. When you understand who you are, what you're worth, and whose righteousness is wrapped around you, that's the gospel. And the gospel takes you places. And the gospel takes you to places that are dry and scary. And the real enemy is in those places. He takes you to those places and you're going to get overwhelmed. The gospel will take you places that you need to be. And your faith in those places is going to be questioned and tested. So remember your faith. 
And remember the salvation that your faith has been a conduit for. The salvation comes from where your faith is placed. And the last one, we're in a battle. We're in a fight. The enemy knows it. It's about time we know it. And you're going to get overwhelmed. There's times when the enemy overwhelms you and convinces you you're worthless. He convinces you that everybody around you is out to get you. And, he, and he's determined to make you feel horrible because he hates you. And Paul says, when that happens, because it will, when that happens, go back to the truth, which is right here. That's the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, God's very Word. That's why this passage is so vital to us. Six things, truth, righteousness, the going, faith, salvation, and His Word. This is what I want to do. I'm going to put a paragraph up on the screen, and I've never asked you to do this before, so I want you to pull out your smartphone. Pull out your phone, and I want you to take a picture of it, okay? A little, little project we're going to do. I'm going to read this paragraph to you, and then I'm going to tell you what to do with the picture that you take of it, okay? It goes like this. You are valuable because of Jesus' righteousness given to you. The go- that gospel, that good news will take you to dry land. And in dry land, your faith in Jesus is the conduit of your salvation and everyone else's subsequently. When you get overwhelmed, go back to what God spoke in His Word. Okay? Everybody got a picture? Even if 51% of us do it, it's going to work. Okay. Now, step two. Text that picture to somebody in this room. And if it's your first time in this room, it's okay. I got you covered. I got you covered. I need this every minute of every day. (laughs) I can't believe I'm asking you to do this, but text it to me. Okay? You got your phone? Everybody got your phone? And you don't know anyone in this room? I'm going to give you my mobile number. That's right. Real mobile number. I'm going to turn airplane mode off. And I want to hear at least one ding. Okay. It's going to be some ding, and it's okay. It's, I need it. I need it. Okay. So, if you don't know somebody in this room, listen to this number. You guys ready? Put it in your phone. Dang. That's happening. That's for real. I see that. Thank you. Thank you. Want to get a couple more? Yep. They're coming. Oh, I heard another one. It's happening. There you go. I'm going to let that keep dinging. That makes me feel real good. It's good, you guys. It all starts with your value resting on Jesus. And that's the first thing the enemy shoots at. That's the first thing that he wants you to think isn't real. Your your, your value rests on Jesus. That's the key. Oh my gosh, you guys have gotten 15. Love you guys. It's awesome. If you want to unlock the power of love in your life to the people around you, if you're tired of getting hurt every day, by your loved ones, by the ones that are supposed to be your loved ones, 
by your boss, by your coworkers, by your neighbor who can't stop talking about you on Facebook. I see that. You don't think I can see that? I see that. If you want this kind of love, if you, if you want the hurt to finally heal, if you want to stop hurting people around you because you see you doing this, if you want to be known, valued, and loved, if you want these things and you want to, to give these things, you just don't want to receive them, you want to give them to the people around you, then join the circle. Join the community, and when you feel the pain, remember, it didn't originate with that person. They're sick with the same thing that makes you sick. And with that knowledge, you can have mercy on them, and you can be authentically known, valued, and loved. And remember, to move forward into this kind of love is to see what truly causes pain and then prepare to do battle with your actual enemy. Remember, remember, remember. Let's pray together. Jesus, God, what a, what a, what a thing to know this morning. And Lord, even now we know that our enemy is at work against us. And there's probably reason after reason after reason why I'm not really known and loved according to Him. Bah, Lord, but Your truth reigns supreme. Your truth is the thing that we need to remember. The truth that You loved us, that You died for us, and that You put Your stamp of value and worth on our hearts God, I ask that every person in this room not only know that deeply this morning, that they would go out and they would spread that truth. That this morning we would be able to unlock the bottled up love that you've given us. Lord, I want that to go out to the community. There's so many hurting people that just don't believe they're loved by anybody, let alone you. So God, I ask, I beg, that you would remind us over and over and over that we are truly loved, that we would wrap your righteousness like a robe around us, and that we could walk confidently into the enemy's camp and defeat him with the thing that you gave us, your love. Jesus, I love you, and I desperately want to love these people as much as you love me. Help us join the circle and help us to remember that our enemy is not with each other, but it's with the enemy. In your name, amen.